I hope you all are experiencing uh, the freshness of a new year. Maybe some of you choose not to make a, de- a big deal about New Year's and new weeks and new months. I, I tend to do it. I love the opportunity to kind of just hit refresh. And I kind of feel that this morning as I look at you guys talking and just coming in fresh and everybody staying healthy. How are we doing on the health scale these days? Yeah? Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Yes. I see that child with a hand up. That's a good thing. I just, Tricia and I ache for you people with young children in the house who just can't seem to keep it out of the house. It's just a season that you're in. So this morning, we are going to... uh, take a little break from the study we were in. In fact, for this month, we're going to take a break because I have some things I'm excited to share with you. So today we're going to talk about, actually for the whole month, this idea of choose your life. And what I'm implying by that is that we have the freedom to choose the life we live. Certainly our culture makes that easier for us than maybe people in just about any other part of the world. We can really choose the flavor of our life and the activities of our life, and how active they are and how active they're not. But I'm not actually talking about that kind of a choice. I'm talking about the choice that every human has on the earth, and that is to choose a life that is led by God. Uh, We have certain lifestyles that are kind of given to us. So you may be living a lifestyle that's primarily driven by the culture that we're living in, just kind of that American, this is what Americans do. This is how we spend our time. These are our values. And and we just can default to that life. That's really easy to do. It's kind of set up for us. You can also live a life that's led by tradition, uh, even a Christian tradition. I think often we are living in activities and values that are just kind of rote for us. And we maybe haven't even thought about them. And we haven't even asked the question, "Do do I agree with this? Like, is this meaningful for me? And the call this month as we talk about choose your life is to encourage you to go to that next level of living the life that's the most meaningful life that you could live for you, the life that you really want to live, the life where at the end of a week you can say, that was a good week, and I made the choices I wanted to make, and I did the activities that were important to me, and I didn't do the stuff that I really don't want to do that others are telling me that I should do. And so throughout this month, I encourage you to just evaluate your own life in that way. Am I living the moments and the hours and the days and the weeks and the months that I want to? Because number one, as an American, you've got a ton of choice. But so much more important, as someone who has been saved by Jesus Christ, you have the power and the authority to live a different life than the ones that is often handed to you. Let's take a look at this scripture here just to to frame that a little bit in the word of God. This is from the New Living Translation. Paul said to the church in Ephesus, for we, that is as, as Christians, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And I believe what Paul is saying in the good things long ago is he's actually not talking necessarily about specific actions, but in an entire lifestyle. That when God created male and female, he had some amazing things in mind. He expected life to be full and adventurous and creative and life-giving, where we were at our capacity for creativity and for fun 
and for productivity and for connection with other humans. God had in mind some pretty epic lives for human beings. But then we know that was taken away. Humans decided to say, you know what? I don't trust God as the leader, and I'm going to lead myself. I just, I don't trust you, God. Satan came to man, one man, one woman, and said, you know what? You can't trust God. He, he wants to be in control, but he really wants to control you. You really need to take the bull by the horns, and so they did. And for the rest of human history up until Jesus came, that was the life that was out there for everyone, where we were our own master, and we chose the life that we lived without God. But in Christ, he has created us anew. In other words, when Jesus came, God hit the biggest reset button at all, of all and basically allows us as Jesus followers to live the way God intended us to live in the kinds of lives he had in mind. Now, not completely. I know you say, like, yeah, I'm not experiencing that. <laughs> that. That sounds great, but it's not there. But it's an eventual, gradual throughout your lifetime, moving from weakness to strength, moving from confusion to clarity, moving from fear to confidence and hope, moving from immaturity and selfishness to Christ-likeness and goodness and being kind and gentle yet strong and powerful. That's what we have been called to in Jesus. None of this is new to any of you. You would all say, yeah, I, I know that. But what I want to give you today is, is a little bit of a how. How do I live in that? Like, that sounds great. And I, I agree with the generalities. But how do we really fully step into this? So one more scripture here, Kevin. Here's the how that Jesus gave us, one of them. There are several, but I would say to you, this is a significant one, and I think you're all familiar with it, but today I want to challenge us to really lay a hold of it, talk about it deeply, and consider what it means. So Jesus called a child. The disciples were asking about who was the most important among the apostles, who was going to have the greater authority. And Jesus called uh, this child, and he said this, Jesus called over a child whom he stood in the middle of the room and said, I'm telling you once and for all that unless you return to square one and start over like a child, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Now, this is the message. <laughs> so that's Eugene Peterson. That's not your typical NIV. But I wanted you to hear it from that version because it really speaks into what I'm going to talk about today. So once again, Jesus said, unless you return to square one and start over like a child, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Before I go any further, speaking to your minds, I want to speak to your hearts a little bit. And so I've put together some visuals for you. And these visuals, this is a little slideshow. I just want you to watch and consider and think it's based on this scripture that unless you return to square one and start over like a child. Let's take a look. Take it in. So tell me, what, what's your impression of that little experience? What do you think, and especially what did you feel? Yeah? Okay. Yeah. The chasm between innocence and, and brokenness and all those other, yeah, for sure, right? Yeah, what else? Sadness for someone who's living... Yeah, those middle slides, we know people who are there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I was hoping there was some hopefulness in there somewhere. <laughs> hoping for hope. Yeah, hopeful because of where it ends. We went over the chasm, but then it ended well, yeah. Yeah. What was the second word you said? Hopeful yet anxious. Yeah. And so anxious yet hopeful. I don't know. Tell me about the anxious. What do you mean? Uh, there are lots of challenges in life. I, we see how it is with children and, and that naturally they have all these good things, but uh, that things happen that put us into the, mm-hmm. the middle part of the slideshow. Right. Yeah, we don't get there because we tried to or because we, we at least we don't think we chose to, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you, would you agree that that is the arc of life, though, in Christ, that, that we begin well and that we kind of need to go through some sense of lostness and to know what it's like to be without God, but then praise God. The, the hope is that we come back and all those things that we were as children, we can actually be again, right? Yeah, and that's the piece I really want to push into today is, is to make sure that you believe that and that you are living the life you choose to go in that direction, I think that we believe that in that middle time of the ache and pain and loss and abuse that we can never get back to where we were. And we've actually even heard a gospel that, that doesn't necessarily change that idea. We've heard a gospel for a long time about the fact that we are made right before God. And so technically, in God's record book, our sin is taken away. But Jesus did more than that. Jesus did so much more than just this legal transaction to say God will no longer hold you accountable. Jesus actually came back to restore us and to get us back to who we were. And not just in eternity, but now. Granted, not completely, but to a large degree. His hope is that even in this life, where the circumstances continue to be far from perfect, you yourself can move toward this kind of life again. One of the things that's so important to understand is we tend to be highly affected by our circumstances and by the day-to-day experiences of life, and that's natural as a human being. And because we live in a culture that is still very broken, we live in a world that's still full of sin and selfishness and violence and hatred, we're not free from those kinds of experiences. But what God has, has called us to is to take good care of your own soul. And don't be a victim of all of that brokenness to the degree that you're able. To the degree that you're able, set yourself apart from it. Don't, don't move out into the desert and be alone. But in your soul, choose for yourself to be at peace, to be innocent, to be pure, to be playful to be, um, what were the other words? Curious, yeah. In other words, Jesus wants to put all of that back inside of us and for you to continue to live like that. And so what this calls for is a bit of a retreat. We really have to have a lifestyle where we withdraw, at least for some period of time, and get back and get reoriented to, wait a minute, what do I really believe and who am I really? And what do I really want to do? And not be in that boat of being a victim floating down the river of daily life, just experiencing whatever comes at me. So this call to, be, to return to childhood is a huge challenge, for sure. But it's something that in Jesus is attainable. Not completely, but little by little, grace upon grace, truth upon truth. We can move in this direction. And it's what Jesus has called us to. Who's hopeful this morning that that is possible, that you get it? Tell me why. How, how do we move in that direction? Sorry, Mona, go ahead. Go ahead, Mona. 
Yeah. And in my life, um, a lot of things have happened to me, and God, God took that storm mm. and put together and made me whole. Mm. It's a wholeness now. Right. I'm not full. I'm not this half person. Right. Fighting, you know. Oh, you're too bad. <laughs> yeah, we belong to each other. Absolutely right. I couldn't have said it better. You made the point so well. And this really is what happens. We become a divided person. As a child, we're fairly simple, and we're pretty holistic, and we just are who we are. We don't have this duality. We don't struggle with what is my identity. We don't have this high sense of what everyone is thinking and how should I act. But as we grow, that, that becomes true, and we kind of split. Even just in a natural, well-protected life, that's going to happen. We recognize our own sin inside of ourselves, and we go, I don't like who I am, and I don't like what I want sometimes, because sometimes I want things that I think are bad, but I want them. And so there's this division internally. And then especially if you experience a childhood that is way out of line with what God intended, there's this division even more where you have to protect yourself from these horrible feelings and these hurts and these experiences, and you have to really withdraw and become very divided because you have to be one child in the presence of all the danger, maybe the quiet, hidden, or talkative, loud child to protect yourself, but inside there's this other child, and so we become very divided, and so much of our counseling is all about finding ourselves again and bringing it together. But the good news is, in Christ, we come back together. And that's really what God is leading us to is, hey, I want to walk you back to who you were when you started life. I want you, in a sense, to be uh, the eight-year-old Brian that you were in the beginning, to be that cool little, cute little boy again, not to, not to undo the maturity that you've experienced, not to undo uh, the skills that you've learned and all that you've gained that's good and that's from God, but to shed the things that you've picked up that weren't from God that made you hurt and that made you afraid, that made you angry, that made you violent or whatever you are. And, and this is the good news is that Jesus is super good at what he does. And this isn't just to some level of minimal comeback. And I, I'm not sure why, but I think sometimes we don't accept a full comeback. We let God bring us back from the darkest, deepest places, but we only get back to 20 or 30%. And I want to call you in 2019 to say, let's get more. Let's do more. And, and this is a win-win if you say yes. There's no prosperity gospel in here. There's no selfishness in here. When you become the better human you want to be, this wife gets a better husband <laughs> than what she... She's got a good husband now. But it could be, could be better. Right? 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 <laughs> I'm right there with you, Tom. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I knew it was safe to pick on you. Your coworkers get a better you. They get someone who's not wrapped up in their own part of their work, but they're paying attention to the other people in the room. You become the resourceful one, the encouraging one, the one that people go to for counsel and for prayer. This is a win-win. So why would we not step toward more Christ-likeness and more wholeness in Christ? That's the calling. 
I want to go over just a couple of things with you specifically about what this looks like. So let me ask you, children are, I threw out some things you saw in the slideshow, but let's add some things to it. When Jesus said, unless you become like a child again, what are all the things he was talking about? We're not talking about childishness, right? We're talking about childlikeness. So those are kind of two black and white categories. Childlike is white and childish is black. John and First John was really good at this. John just made everything super simple. He said, either you love God or you don't. Either you love humans and you don't. Either you're, you know, childlike or you're childish. So help me out. What is childlike? Spontaneous. Trusting. Spontaneous. Spontaneous. Sorry? Imaginative. Absolutely. Spontaneous. I love this. Kids really live in the moment well, don't they? At least we're talking about pretty small children, right? But they're not worried too much about regretting what they did yesterday. And they're not worried too much about how things are going to go tomorrow. They're just in this moment we're in right now, good or bad. This is the moment I'm living, right? Yes. What else? Childlikeness. Trusting. Trusting. That's such a huge one, right? And, and we lose trust, rightly so, because we found out trusting can be dangerous, right? As a child, generally we trust everybody, and we don't know any different. But then because of sin and because of brokenness, it becomes dangerous for some of us. And so we realize, wow, it is not safe. I need to not trust. And yet the call of God is to return back to trusting not foolishly or carelessly. This is where we need to continue to be wise and grow up and protect ourselves and protect others. But aren't we, haven't we gotten to the default of mistrust, right? Yeah, like we lock that front door all the time because everyone in my neighborhood wants to break into my house. And if I step away for a minute, one of my neighbors is going to come in and take my stuff. Ah, it's totally not true, but we still lock that door every five minutes that we're gone from the house because those people next door want to steal my stuff. No, we don't believe that, but we're kind of act that way, right? And I'm not saying don't lock your doors. That was not my point. <laughs> my point is we get into a default where we just make the assumption that something bad will happen today and I need to protect myself and be wise, but what would it look like to have a disposition in general that I could probably trust most people. I actually think you can. I actually think most humans are fairly good intentioned, and they generally want to do the right thing. But because of news and our experience, we kind of live the other way. Yeah. What else? Childlikeness. Right? And we don't necessarily follow that through with God mm. and have that, that it's just secure and, and it's good. Yeah. And it gets so bad that ironically we even wonder, what if God is like my abuser? What if God is like the person who let me down? Which if you know God, that's really actually ridiculous. <laughs> he has never done anything to give us evidence that he's like that in any way. We even do that to one another. You may have been a part of another church before where leadership was abusive and controlling, and, and then you come here and you go, well, I wonder, 
what leadership is like here. And yet I would hope after a few weeks you would sense leadership here is safe, right? Well, that's the comment you gave me. I'm not sure. Oh, not safe for you. <laughs> Touche. I own that. For everyone but Tom, it's safe. And Dan. Dan, it's been unsafe for you once in a while. Right. But in general, this is a safe place. And you're not going to be abused and you're not going to be used. And yet, because of your experience, you hesitate to volunteer. You hesitate to commit because you've had that experience in the past. Yeah. What else? well said. Yeah, in this culture, it's dangerous just to be human, not even to be a child, but right. we can become a victim in so but many I mean, places. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Which means especially those that have had the power need to share it. Yeah, among kids, there isn't really a hierarchy, right? There isn't really... Some, I mean, a little bit because of sin, kind of, but in general. I, I hope that you're seeing as we're talking that God has given us a wonderful picture of what we could be like in ourselves as a child. I, I would love it if all of you could be, I don't know if it would take hypnotism or what, but, but truly remember who you were at your best. I mean, can you imagine, you know, five-year-old Karina? who was, and I'd have to let you tell the story, but, but who was, you know, this little brown-eyed, brown-haired girl that just, sweet, had these dreams, loved life, loved this about life, loved to do this and to do that. And I, in our culture, I think that we strongly believe that that time is gone. <laughs> like that was the renaissance of my young life, but I can never return to it. But Jesus is saying, no, I'm actually commanding you to return to it. I'd love for you to go back there. I was watching an interview with um, Lauren Daigle, and they were asking her, how do you go on stage in front of thousands of people? And she said, well, it has been a struggle, but I talked to my friend Bob Goff, and he told me this. He said, whenever you go out, have you seen this interview? Whenever you go in front of people, what would eight-year-old Lauren do? What would eight-year-old Lauren do? And she'd say, oh, man, I'd be so excited to go out there, and I'd be so happy, and I wouldn't worry about what anybody was going to think about me, and I'd just say, hey, it's good to see you, and I'm glad to be here with all of you, and I've got some sweet songs I want to sing because God's given me a voice, and then I would just sing. I was like, yes, there it is, there it is. That's the way God wants your life to be daily. He wants you to be able to be your eight-year-old self in the freedom and the innocence and the purity, not without wisdom, to be careful and wise, but still, by and large, in generalities, to be free and to be at rest and to be all those things we talked about. Kevin, put up those others, would you, that next slide? So these are the seven, and then I added trusting, and I appreciate, Vic, you bringing that one up because I think it's central. These are just some of those characteristics that Jesus has said, unless you become like this again, you're going to have a hard time living in the kingdom of God. And this is what he's called us to. And I want to say again, 
we have to create safe spaces for ourselves to withdraw to and to grab a hold of this kind of living again. Because when you head out for the day, it's going to challenge that. And some of that won't be safely doable. But you need to not give up on it. And you need to not abandon it. But you need to get back to it. So I I understand that God's goal, this is the beauty of sleep. (laughs) And this is the beauty of home. And this is the beauty of getting away. That at some point at the end of the day, you get to go home. By and large. Which I hope is a safe place for you. And you get to do the things you really want to do. And I hope that that includes this space with God where you let him unload the things that hurt and the things that got confusing, maybe the things that you didn't do well, and just kind of at the end of the day confess, wow, God, I missed it here. Thank you for forgiving me for that. God, thank you for this moment over here. That was really cool. I loved it when you and I partnered together like that. But this day is over, and so we're going to put it to rest. And I get to get up tomorrow morning start a brand new day with nothing wrong in it, and I get a shot to wake up and be innocent today and start out pure, to be playful and curious, to not see limits in the world, but to believe anything is possible, to be full of joy, to be dependent on other people. I got to be with others. I was created for others. To be trusting, most of all, to be trusting of God. But imagine reconnecting with those things at night and in the morning and then launching back into the next day childlike and then hanging in there as long as you can (laughs) until you come back home and hit the pillow and go oh that was a lot of work this is the life that we're called to but i want you to consider what's the central hope how is this possible if this is the way what's our hope super familiar verse If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I believe that we have not stepped into the fullness of this last phrase. Purify us from all unrighteousness. I think, by and large, we read this verse and we believe that I've been forgiven of my sins, so my record is clean now. But that's only half the verse. The other half is that Jesus purifies us from everything that's not right. He really, honestly takes your soul, if you let him, and he makes it the way it was before wrong happened to you. Whether it's wrong that you initiate or wrong that was done to you, he's offering the power to make what's become wrong in you right again. And that's how you get back to being that child. Because when you were a kid, nothing was wrong. I'm overstating, I know. (laughs) But so many things were so right. I would love for you this week to find a picture of you if you can in a moment where that's what you felt. I have this picture of me when I think I was three and I'm standing in front of a front door and my mom had dressed me for church and so I'm wearing a vest and a jacket and uh, looking pretty awesome, pretty dapper. (laughs) But you look at the look on my face and it's just this hopeful, alive look. It's like the little boy in the pure slide. Did you see? remember that? The second slide you saw. 
Wasn't that, his face was just so alive and hopeful and pure. Can you, can you find a picture of you, or maybe you just have to pull it out of your head, but remember the you that started out this life. And then in Jesus' name, say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm still that boy in my soul. I'm a man. I'm 60 or getting there. <laughs> and I do have a full life that I've lived. But in my soul, I'm still that three-year-old kid in front of the door with this big smile on his face. Because Jesus is that powerful. And salvation is that complete. It's not just enough to get us by. It's enough to make you new again, to make you hopeful again, to make you believe again and trust again with wisdom, but still to trust again. He is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrightness. It's pretty clear that we're all saying yes. This is true, and I believe it. And I want to give you a few minutes to really grab it today. I'm hoping that you are wanting to do more than agree on a Sunday, but that you're wanting to walk in the fullness of what we're talking about today. And that means doing something different. If we go about tomorrow and the rest of this week just like we did last week, then nothing will have changed. <clears throat> so I'd love for you to just, where you are right now, just to think, what do I need to do so that tomorrow is different, so that this week is different? How do I get to this place again and stay there? And you're probably maybe further from that place than you want to be. Like it isn't just changing your mind and imagining, but you realize, yeah, but so many things are so wrong right now. I can't just wake up Monday morning and say, yeah, everything's great. It's not. So maybe the answer for what do you need to do to make a change is what needs to become right again with you? What is not right? What is unrighteous right now that needs to become right so that you can honestly claim this innocence and this purity and this childhood? What isn't right? And then ask Jesus, Jesus, this is wrong. This is wrong in me. Would you do what you said, and would you make it right again? And let me remind you, too, righteousness is not as much about morality as it is about relationships. Morality says it's about rules, and I've broken rules, and that's an incomplete concept of this truth. Righteousness is primarily about right relationships. So if things aren't right, what relationship isn't right? Is it your relationship with God that isn't quite right? That's the easiest one and the quickest one to remedy. It's just confession and thanksgiving. <laughs> or, or is it a relationship with a person or several people? But Jesus gives us the power to get to right again. And he's calling us to get to right again. He is faithful and will purify us from everything that's not right. So what needs to become right again for you? And this few moments isn't going to solve it. 
but it's going to start you thinking about what do I need to do? How can I be deliberate right now in 2019 in January in my life to get some things right so that I can wake up in the morning and say it is well with my soul? I am right with the world. <laughs> I am right in all my critical relationships. I am right with God. And that's where you're going to find the power to last maybe through a whole day of being childlike because you know that it's true about you that I have been made right by Jesus Christ. My relationships have been made right. Sometimes we find an excuse in the other person. So you might say, yeah, there's a relationship I can't make right because the other end of the relationship doesn't want it. But thankfully... Jesus can still make you right in relationship to that person. So don't allow yourself to be led by the brokenness of someone else, but make yourself right with that person. Have you prayed for them? And have you said the things you should say? And have you done the things you should do? And if you have, you are right in your responsibility toward that person. If they choose to not reciprocate, that's not on you. You're free from that. But are you right with that person? Are you right with God? This is really good news, right? Yeah. I know it's a little heavy, but it's a little bit anxious, but it's extremely hopeful. So let's take a couple of minutes. Our kids are going to join us in about three minutes, and I'm going to dismiss you preschool parents to go get your kids, and we'll step into worship where we can do this even more. But I just want to give you a couple of minutes of silence just to think and to pray. <clears throat> Let's do that. Jesus, we're super grateful that you reminded us today of just how powerful you are and how complete, how complete your salvation is. Thank you that we're saved from condemnation. And thank you that we can be restored. Like Mona said, that we can become whole again. And Father, we ask you in Jesus' name right now, Talk to us about what's not right and give us the courage and the faith to get on a path to become right again. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Give us hope.